I'll let you all off the hook as you get back to your seat. Good morning, second service. All right, seniors, I expect a lot of amens and yep, mm, and preach-its, all, all of that. Yep, mm-hmm, thank you. Come on, seniors, don't let her pass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, we've been in this series, this I Am series. We've been walking through the I Am statements of Christ. And uh, today we are to the second to the last. And so we are going to do a quick recap where we have been. But I just want to like be up front with you. I feel like this is a... Uh, you know, you're watching TV and it's like, previously on Pomerado Christian Church, JP, you know, and does, do, doing that. And so we've got a little ways to go, but some of you may be new this morning. Maybe there was a Sunday you missed. And so I would like to just quick highlight some of the themes of the I am statements that we've covered so far. And first off, back this, we started on Easter Sunday. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And Easter isn't just about how Jesus resurrected 2,000 years ago. It's also how he is the resurrection and is still providing hope today. Easter is a time where we celebrate that. And we remember that, that moment. But this idea of new hope that we can receive every day, it's not just once that that happened. That that's, a, that's something we can live by. Secondly, he says, I am the bread. And while our stomachs may rumble and our hearts may grumble... Jesus alone can satisfy our hunger. And that one, that one to me is just, it just sits because I love food and my stomach often rumbles. And it's in those times that I seek out food as my nourishment or challenge to seek Christ. Thirdly, Jesus says, I am the door Jesus is the door out of our old life and into a full life. And maybe you, maybe you came out to a memorial service that we had yesterday for one of our dearly beloved members here. But Evan so beautifully painted this picture of Chris passing through this doorway into a glorious heaven. And there's also over here, just this morning, we get to see Jackson Williams pass through this door, this commitment to Christ and baptism. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Fourth was, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the main point there was, we all need a shepherd, but only the good shepherd will meet our deepest needs. We may think what we need or we want, but here's Christ with his shepherd staff corralling us and leading us, keeping us safe. And then last week, JP touched on unity. And as followers of Jesus, he says, I am the vine. As followers of Jesus, our purpose is to have both a living and loving union with him. You trim off a branch and it dies. We don't have that connection with him that daily nutrition, that daily life, we are not going to last. We need to have that loving union with him. So there we are. That is, that is us caught up to speed. And today we are covering I am the light. I am the light. That's our I am statement. But before we get going, let's pray. 
God, I just pray. Well, first off, I just thank you for the light that we have today. The sun rose. That you, you've maintained and kept the world spinning so that our lives may carry on. That you've given us food. You've given us life today. You've taken care of us. You've provided shelter and clothing. And God, I just pray that wherever we are this morning, maybe we don't know anything about you. Maybe we've been in church for a very, very long time. And we, maybe we think we know, okay, I am the light. We know you're the light. God, I just pray that just like we have a blank note sheet this morning, that I just pray that those are our hearts. That we would just open up our hearts into a new perspective, a new life and light to shed on us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'd like to take you back to when I was a child. Um, my family went on one of our very first vacations. Uh, we're from Minnesota. And so there was, there was a lot of us. There was a lot of kids. And so we ventured really far to Wisconsin. I got more laughs in first service. You guys know your geography. Uh, Wisconsin is right next to Minnesota, and the place we went to was only a couple hours across the border, and so we're, we're not going very far here. But we stopped at a place called the Crystal Caves. And here it was one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest caves in America, I think, um, is the Crystal Caves in Wisconsin. And so I know you guys, you're all vacationing probably to Wisconsin this summer. So when you're there, you know, hit up the crystal, crystal caves. So we go into these caves and we're, it's just these massive, some of the, some of the rooms are like as big as, uh, actually like twice or three times as big as this room here. And it's this massive network of, of tunnels and, 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 and rooms. And we make our way hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet down into the ground somewhere. And then we get down there, and there's a room about this size, and there's a group of us, and our guide goes, okay, who here would like to experience total darkness? And I think, I mean, we all kind of knew where it was going, because there was lights on, kind of like this. And we're like, oh, I mean, okay, do we have a choice? <laughs> and so he flipped the switches off, and it was dark. And you waited a moment, and he goes, okay, now I want you guys to, like, still in the darkness, he's like, I want you guys to put your hands in front of your face. Try to see your hand. Because when we experience maybe darkness, I don't know, out in the woods somewhere or, or around our homes, usually there's some source of light that eventually we, our eyes adapt to. But in this cave, hundreds of feet down, your eyes will never adapt because there's absolutely no light. And so we could have waited there for hours and hours and hours, and we would have never been able to see our hands in front of us. And for this moment, a brief moment as a child, I panicked because I go, what if the lights don't come back on? <laughs> We're stuck down here. That was total darkness. And one of our first points this morning is the absence of light makes seeing impossible. And I know that's like, it's not like the most like, wow, that's an incredible statement. 
But it's really where all of our points connect this morning. And so I got curious, you know, and I, and I, and I took myself back to grade school and I go, okay, I want to know and understand how our eyes work. So, so why is this? And so I've got a, I've got a slide up here for you. It's going to help, help you understand. For those of us, maybe it was a long time ago. It was a good refresher for me. Um, but so here it is. Light enters through the eye. Enters through the iris. This is the colored part of our eye. It's unique to each one of us, kind of like our fingerprints. And light comes through here. It contracts and expands to allow light to pass through it, which is why our eyes get dilated, and then they get small when light gets really, really bright. And so basically what, that do, that, what that's doing is going, it's, it's our body's like built-in function going, okay, I've had too much or I need more light to be able to see. And so it passes through that and into the pupil, which is just the opening in your eye. And then there's the lens, which is like the white oval part on the left side. That's the lens, which bends the light to the focal point on the far right, which is your retina. And this is where light is projected on the back of your eye. Now what happens is, on a perfect eye, it bends it perfectly, so when it hits the back, you see perfectly. But a lot of you all, and like myself, we need corrective lenses. So what do these do? These just help adjust how that light comes into our eyes so that we can see clearly. And on your retina, this, I mean, this was just like... It's astounding to me, but there's many, millions of photoreceptors that convert light energy into electric signals that send to the brain's visual cortex through the optic nerve. And then also in my research, again, maybe this is like, you guys all know this, I was like blown away, but as light passes through, through the lens, it actually hits our eyes upside down so that in this transmission to our brain, it automatically adjusts so that we see right side up. Like, oh my gosh. This is crazy. And so this is, how our, this is how our eyes work. But at the end of the day, the absence of light makes seeing impossible. There could be this beautiful creation of an eye for us to see, but without light, it is absolutely impossible to see. And so with that being said, we're going we're gonna to open our Bibles into John chapter 7 this morning. We are going to be in John chapter 7, a little bit in chapter 8, and we're even going to touch into chapter 9. You're going, Dan, why are we covering so much scripture tonight, or this morning? And it's quite simply this, we need to understand the context to why Jesus says he is the light. We can't just, oh, okay, he's the light. Okay, he's brightness. He's illuminating. Okay, that sounds cool. No, 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 it's so much more than that. So John chapter 7, and then we'll be in chapter 8, and then we'll eventually get to chapter 9 as well. The beginning of chapter 7. So again, with the context of total darkness, our eyes requiring light to see, now we have a little bit of a picture of what that is. We are going to dive into Scripture to see why Jesus says he is the light. In the beginning of chapter 7, it says, Jesus leaves Galilee to attend the Feast of Tabernacles in Judea. And so I stopped there because I was intrigued. And so I, the, I looked up the Feast of Tabernacles. What is this? Why do they celebrate it? And the Feast of Tab Tabernacles commemorates the period of the wilderness wandering directly following the exodus from Egypt. 
So they've just had this massive, massive exodus out of Egypt. And then even in the wilderness, God provided food and water for them. And so it is celebrating and remembering that time. And you're wondering, why is this on the screen? And this is why. This is the temp. This is a depiction. This is a painting of the temple in Jerusalem on what uh, one artist would depict the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's important because it was at this festival that people would bring all of these lights and they would light all these torches around the temple and it would illuminate so bright. If you catch the top part in this black part, I know it's a little hard to see, but you can see buildings faint in the background. It's because it was known that the, the light from the temple was so bright, it would cast its light onto the entire city of Jerusalem and it would look like a crown on this hilltop. It was something to behold. It was significant. And so before we get to Jesus saying, I am the light, he travels to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. Many, many, many people would come and celebrate. It was a joyous occasion. And so he travels there, and it says that in verse 14, chapter 7, verse 14, we've got a little bit of a context here. And we've got the points up on the screen. It says, in verse 14, he starts teaching in the temple courts. So Jesus starts teaching. Shortly after that, he's being demon-possessed. That's crazy talk. This guy's crazy. He's from, where, where is he from? Where is this guy even from? And then in verse 14, there are people who want him dead. So far, it's a pretty good start for Jesus and the uh, festival. And then verse 30, they tried to seize him. These people get so enraged by what he's saying, they try to seize him. But it's interesting, because it doesn't say how Jesus got away. But if he's in the public court, like, I, I don't know how this was possible, but they tried to seize him, but they couldn't. Why? Because it was not his time. It was impossible for anyone to do anything to Jesus before it was his time. So it was not his time. And then the last day of the festival, John 7, 37 to 38, on the last day now, Jesus says this. He says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is the context for Jesus' statement, his I am statement that we cover this morning. John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. They would have just seen the temple shining in all of its brilliance. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus makes this profound statement that goes over most of their heads, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to plead with them. And he's going, I am the life. I'm the light. I am all existing. I am forever. I am eternity. Why can't you see that? Why can't you see that? But like most of them, and like us, it just kind of goes over their head. No one really knows what he means by that. 
which is why we need John chapter 9 this morning. Because John chapter 9 features an incredible story that's pretty popular. Most of you guys will remember this. In John chapter 9, Jesus follows up this statement because what, what happens is he says, I am the light of the world, and then he starts bickering with the Pharisees again. And they're accusing him of being demon-possessed, and they're going back and forth and back and forth again, much like our context prior. So then Jesus goes, okay, like, they're not getting this. They, it's, this is going nowhere. And so in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, I don't know what kind of blindness this man has. There's all sorts of different kinds of diseases that could potentially cause blindness. But what I can say is, light had never passed through this gentleman's eyes correctly for him to see. You all probably see where this is going. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? His disciples asked this. And I, and I just, I just, I, I pause there and I just kind of go, what, like, what did Jesus think when they said this? This man born, born blind, he's lived a, a terrible life, an outcast. He's had no reason or purpose. He can't do much. He can't contribute to society. And as they're walking by, this man would have heard those, the man would have heard these things. He's going, what did I do? So I can just see Jesus in his heart of hearts mourning for this type of question from his disciples. What did this man do? Or his parents that he was born blind. And then Jesus says this, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. This is, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as there is day, as long as there is light, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Verse 5, while I am in the world, again, here we go, I am the light of the world. And what does he do? You guys know this story. He gets down on his knees and he picks up this dirt. And this is Jerusalem. This is in the desert. And so it's super dry. And so he picks up this, this dirt and this sand and he has to spit in it. He has to spit in it so that it becomes mud. And he rubs it around and then he places it in the man's eyes and he goes, go and wash. In the end of verse 7, it says, so the man went and washed and came back seeing. You see, this is an incredible miracle. But it leads us to our next point. And that's Jesus did not perform random ad hoc miracles. He didn't just walk around going, oh, yep, you, but not you. You, but not you. That's not what he was doing here. He performed signs that were intended to point us towards and lead us to our creator. These are specifically placed. This is a divine appointment that this guy has. Jesus keeps revealing himself in these remarkable 
and unique ways so that when our lives are met with heartache and death, he says, I am the resurrection. When our lives are strung out and we feel like we have nothing to give, he says, I am the bread and sustenance for your every need. When our past is overwhelming and full of shame and guilt, he says, I am the door to a new life and purpose. When we think we, we know what we need and try to live our own lives on our own, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and will lead you exactly where I need you. Even when it takes you to places we would never want to go. When we feel separated, and detached, Jesus says, I am the vine in whom you can experience unity and oneness. And when our lives are wandering around a pitch black cave with no sense of direction, Jesus says, I am the light. John 1, 4 says, in him was life and that life was the light of the world, the light of all mankind. So now we're going to take a turn, and I want to ask you a question this morning. What is your purpose? Why were you born? What is your purpose? Because this blind man who was, who was born, his, his whole reason for existence, why he was placed here so that at this moment, Christ's divinity could be on full display for everyone to see. This man actually being healed is secondary. The miracle itself is secondary. It's an incredible miracle. This man's life's changed forever, but it's secondary because Jesus must be seen as the light and is the sole reason and purpose for his existence. You see, his purpose is so much more than just an opportunity to be healed. It's an opportunity for God to work. Matthew 5, this is again, we're in a lot of familiar passages this morning. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, he says, we're turning, a, we're turning it around here a little bit. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. A lit temple in the middle of a city cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. This leads us to one of our last points. It says, God, see, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, but he's living out this statement. He's living out this statement because our final point is God did not hide Jesus away in some corner of heaven. He didn't do that. Instead, God sent him down into the middle of humanity, and for the first time, Jesus was exposed to imperfection. I can't even imagine what that would have felt like. Divinity, perfection, exposed to the mess that the world is here. He was the light going down into that darkness. He was the light that had to go down. He had to come to the darkest of rooms and be a light and a life for those who are lost. And now, 
for a moment, I would like to take us back into that dark cave we started in. And so I want you guys to venture down there with me. Go back to the total darkness of the cave. We can't see our hands in front of our faces. And as I sat there in the darkness, I worried the lights wouldn't come back on. And let's just say for a moment, let's just say the guide flipped the switch and something did go wrong and there was no light. Now, when I get scared, I get quiet. Some of you guys get scared and start screaming. And so panic would ensue, confusion would ensue, no one would know where to go, people would be worried, I wouldn't be saying anything because I'd be like, okay, this is the end. But it would just be a brief moment until the guide would calmly take out a flashlight and say, it's going to be okay, I got this. Follow me and I will lead you to safety. This is exactly what Jesus did. No matter what our lives or your life may look like, his life is our light so that we can navigate through the dark circumstances and dark choices that we've made. So now again, with Jesus as our ultimate example, I want to ask you again, what is your purpose? Why were you born? Most people have a hard time answering this big question or just kind of think right off the top of our heads, well, I mean, we have our jobs, careers, families, gifts, talents, life pursuits, education, those are not your purpose. Those are good. Those are maybe direct callings that God has on your life and he has you at a certain place and he has a certain direction for you. Those are good. That is not your purpose. No, no, no. Your purpose is so much bigger than that. But most of us ignore it. Most of us ignore the one purpose that he gave us. And that's in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When was the last time you started your day actively pursuing God's glory? Because I think we wake up, we pursue his will, and that's good. We pursue his direction, and that's good. We pursue wisdom, and we, so we read scripture, and that, all that is good. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when was the last time you woke up and you pursued God's glory in your life? When was the last day you went to work actively seeking God's glory over everything else? In the, in the midst of to-dos, the 20 things we need to get done before work, the 30 things we need to get done at work, and then all the things with the family after work, how many of those decisions have you made that intentionally focus on glorifying God? And so we've got, a, we've got a couple points to kind of wrap up this whole sermon. The whole, the whole thing kind of is wrapped up into three points. Um, but before we highlight these, I want us to, again, go back into this dark cave. And the guy has turned on his flashlight. And, oh, okay. It's going to be okay. And he's, he's, you know, he's doing this, this number, you know, pointing us towards the stairs. And we start walking. And now I want to pose this question who in the right mind would leave someone in the cave? 
Who would leave someone wandering around with no clue how to find their way out? If you see, you see the guide pointing the light, but you know around the corner there's people still, they don't know, they don't see it. Who leaves them there? And so when, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is the ultimate example and the ultimate challenge for us to follow through with that. And that's summarized in these last three points. First off, the light is relief in darkness. Be encouraged. Oh, guys, when those lights came back on, as a child, I was like, whew, okay. <laughs> it's not the end. Be encouraged. The gospel is a good thing. How he saved each one of us when you chose to follow him is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Be encouraged by that. Secondly, the light illuminates our pathway to our creator, so follow the path. There he is. He's going, okay, I've got a safe way out of here. Just follow this. Follow what I say. In fact, James says it so clearly. It says, okay, the person that, that reads scripture and doesn't follow it is like a person that looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like. It's ridiculous. He has clearly laid a pathway for us to follow. He has given us all of the tools. Some of us, seniors, have better tools. Because those are amazing. <laughs> but he has scripture. There's, there's nothing fancy about my Bible up here. It's, it just has the words. Follow the path. And then lastly, the light exists for God's glory glorify him. And this is something that's hard for us to do. Because what has to happen when, when, if we choose to glorify God, what has to happen is that we put him above everything else in our life. And we don't like to do that. We're selfish. We don't like to do that for other humans. It's hard to do that to a spouse. It's hard to do that to a sibling. It's hard to do that for a coworker. And God goes, no, no, no. Just like this blind man down here. I've placed you. I have you right here. Glorify me. Are you going to glorify me? And in doing that, as we faithfully kind of pursue him, and it's not always perfect, and it's hard sometimes, and we struggle, and we fall, and we scrape ourselves, that happens. But as we try to pursue him and we try to glorify him, he's also going, wait, wait, wait. Don't forget those other people. This isn't a, this isn't a, oh, okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm good now. Oh, I'm saved. Oh, I know the way out of this place. And so as I conclude, I want to pose one more question into it all, and that's, what if every time you saw light of some kind, you'd be challenged to glorify God? And you go, but Dan, that's like all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's the point when we flick the bathroom light on in the morning to brush our teeth. Okay. <laughs> God, how am I glorifying you? As we turn our lights on the car to drive home, God, how is this glorifying you as we turn on our office lights? How is this glorifying you as we turn on our phone 
How is this glorifying you? But that's, that's the whole point. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it is so encompassing, you guys. And back to, back to our first point, the, with the absence of light, it's impossible to see. There is a world. The light's there. It's all around them. God's glory shines all over the place. But if they're blind like this man, they're never going to be able to see it. So what if every time this week, you don't have to, but what if every time you saw light of some kind, you would just be challenged to glorify God? And what does that look like? For some of you, it's taking that uncomfortable step of walking around the corner and reaching out your hand and going, no, 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 I know the way. It's over here. You got to come this way. For some of you, maybe it's, it's, it's recognizing that, you know what, I haven't even been on this path. I haven't been following God. I don't believe, I haven't believed he's the light or the life. So to summarize, the light is a relief and darkness. Be encouraged, guys. Let's be encouraged today. Jesus is the light of the world. That is such a wonderful thing. Secondly, the light illuminates our pathway to our creator, so let's follow him. Walk in his footsteps. Don't leave a, man, a blind man behind. Share the gospel. Pursue him. And lastly, the light exists to, for God's glory, so glorify him. Guys, glorify him. Not yourselves. Not your family. That is the reason you've been placed on this earth to glorify him. Everything else is secondary. Glorify him. Let's pray. God, I just, I pray that um, we would just, just look at our lives and that we would see, see this light that you are and we would stop, we'd stop treating you like a pair of eyeglasses that's just kind of convenient to put on and see a little clearer once in a while. But we would recognize that you are our very existence, our very life and light all revolves around you. And there is nothing apart from that. And God, I just pray as, I think it's easy to read scripture in this one story of a man being healed of his blindness. But God, I just pray that we would just bring that into our lives. That there is every point in our lives God has asked us and called us to be somewhere or do something or go somewhere so that you are glorified. Not that we have better lives. Not that we have more comfort. Not that things are easier. But that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.